Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. Severe storms and flash flooding caused catastrophic damage in New York in areas both in the North Country as well as southern parts of the state. A woman was swept away by the floodwaters. Her body was found in Fort Montgomery in Orange County. Meanwhile, Vermont confirmed its first death this week related to the historic flooding, a man who died as a result of a drowning accident in his home. More rain then drenched the area Thursday night into Friday morning. Meanwhile, cleanup efforts continued around the state, including in the central Adirondacks. Many of the roads around the region that were damaged have been reopened, though Route 28 between Long Lake and Newcomb was still closed as of Friday morning. Reporting for the Legislative Gazette, North Country Public Radio's Emily Russell has more. The heavy rain began on Monday night. Sam Keller was at his home in Long Lake. He says he didn't take the storm very seriously at first, but the rain just wouldn't let up. It was a steady tropical-like rain, heavy. I kept looking at the radar, and it was just hovering over us. Keller is a landscaper from Long Lake. His house is on higher elevation, so wasn't at real risk for flooding, but plenty of places in Long Lake are. Keller kept monitoring the rain from Monday night into early Tuesday. It went through the night. I was up every hour on the hour. I said, we're going to expect some damage. (laughs) We were dispatched around midnight, between midnight and 1230, for a flooded basement. That's Paula O'Brien Perino. She's a firefighter in Long Lake and says that call was the first of many. While preparing to respond to that, we were dispatched to another, a second basement flooding. Uh, So we had to divide our troops, (laughs) divide and conquer. While they pumped out the second basement, they got a third call. The main road into Long Lake, Route 30, was flooding. And it was flooding right in front of O'Brien Perino's home and business. She manages the Long Lake Diner and Owl's Head Pub. So divide and conquer again. Her husband monitored the flooding around their property, while O'Brien Perino stayed focused on the larger flood response. A lot of folks in Long Lake were up all night helping neighbors, feeding emergency responders, checking in on friends and family. O'Brien Perino says Long Lake also got a lot of help on Tuesday from nearby communities and state agencies. As a small, very small rural community, we sure have some pretty great people here that can come together. Just knowing who to call, that's when it counts when you know your community and everybody just jumps in. There's a lot of work ahead for Long Lake. A lot of folks' homes were flooded. Some people had to be evacuated. The nearby Adirondack communities of Newcomb and Blue Mountain Lake were also hit really hard by flooding on Monday night. Lisa Johnson manages Hamilton County's Department of Public Works. She says some of the worst damage was on Route 28 to Newcomb. So a long portion of it was closed to traffic as of Tuesday night. Photos show the road fully torn apart by the force of the flood. I mean, it's beautiful pavement. It had recently been done. It looks great. And then it's like ribbon candy broken kind of. It's just, you know, this long thing that's just kind of been scrunched up in in waves. 
Johnson says that kind of damage takes time to repair. She's urging folks just to avoid that area of the central Adirondacks entirely. That will give crews time and space to repair the roads around Newcomb, Blue Mountain Lake, and Long Lake. Really, at this point, if you are expecting to need to get from point A to point B going through Long Lake, you shouldn't even try, even if the road seems to be open. <laughs> like You're not going to get past that intersection for a little bit. Patience is key right now. This is usually the busiest time of year for Adirondack tourist towns like Long Lake. So that patience can be hard to come by, both for visitors and for business owners like Paula O'Brien Pereno. She's the firefighter that owns the pub and diner. Still, O'Brien Pereno says she's hopeful. I'm trying not to get a little nervous about that, but I have faith that we'll be, we'll be all right. County and state road crews will continue to assess the damage and make repairs in the coming days and weeks. I'm Emily Russell. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. While Orange and Rockland counties this week grappled with the most severe damage from heavy rains and flooding, the situation was less dire in Westchester. I spoke with County Executive George Latimer this week about the storms and the climate. Well, first off, uh, the northwestern corner of our county, which is what borders Putnam, uh, North Rockland and the affected portion of Orange County was also affected. So that, that draws a circle around where the four counties almost meet. And that portion of our county was affected. Yorktown had it the roughest, lots of trees down. Town of Cortland, city of Peekskill, and town of Ossining. Uh, we had some damage on our Mohansic golf course. The Metro North Hudson line was closed for a few days. Um, and uh, it was, you know, as always, as happened when we had Hurricane uh, Ida, linger over our county two years ago in September, and Hurricane Issa Eas, unexpected intensity. And that is what I think we're seeing with the climate change concern, that we always have had storms of some sort, uh, but the, the intensity level seems to be much greater. And when you have this amount of rain and wind in such a short period of time, power lines go down, uh, there's debris on the roadway, roads become impassable. You know, we've dug out from it pretty well. We did not have any fatalities in Westchester. We lost uh, uh, one of our neighbors in Orange County who died in the floods over in Highland Falls. So uh, this is a serious problem. And whether it's the, the air quality from Quebec wildfires or not, these are things we have not seen before. I'm not a scientist, Dave. Uh, David. I have to assume that what science is telling us is that this is the impact of, uh, you know, continued uh, greenhouse gases in the atmosphere and the burn-off of the ozone layer. And if we don't do something about it, the, the dire effects will just continue to grow. What can you do for your part as the Westchester County Executive for your community? Well, what we've tried to do in general is reduce our reliance on fossil fuels. As an example, we've electrified our bus system. The Beeline bus system, which is Westchester's public bus system, is run by the county, uh, is now uh, electric, electric hybrid buses. So uh, that has helped our carbon footprint, uh, and we're expanding our electrical uh, vehicle charging station infrastructure dramatically so that those that have electric or hybrid cars now uh, can, can feel confident that as they drive around the county, there are places to charge up. That helps us cut back our, our footprint. We're reducing the amount of waste that we put into our garbage-to-energy plant. 
the less of that that gets burned, the better off it is. These are small steps. But, you know, a, a county government can't set policy across the board in these areas. That really is the federal government, to some extent the state government's responsibility. But we're doing what we can. Uh, we've used energy demand to lower our use of uh, electricity during peak periods of usage, and that helps uh, the electric grid maintain its integrity. Um, so they're, they're defined steps, but I, you know, I wouldn't want to trumpet them as they're the answer. Uh, but if everybody does their share, individuals, counties, towns, villages, then we have a better chance of pushing back on this. Yeah, and it's really an infrastructure question, isn't it? And we have a $4.2 billion bond act, environmental bond act, that passed. Citizens voted in favor. And I talked to the controller about this, Tom DiNapoli. Even he was supportive of it, you know, the idea of borrowing money to help with climate and environmental issues is important if we want to keep the place we call Earth livable. Well, this bond act was was well uh, received in Westchester County, uh, and we made every effort to inform voters about it. Obviously, you can't use government resources to promote a vote, but to inform them to let them know when this was on the ballot uh, uh, last fall. And uh, Westchester voters passed it by a higher margin of uh, success than any county outside of New York. Uh, uh, New York City, and we actually had a higher margin than the Bronx did, which is kind of amazing given the respective populations. So Westchester voters, and I think across the ideological spectrum, David, I think there are both and quite a few Republicans that voted for it. Now that we have this pool of money, the question is how do we use it intelligently? Uh, we have a briefing coming up in mid-August from the uh, uh, the state DEC. They're coming into one of our facilities, and they're going to brief local governments. I think it's going to be a regional meeting. We'll probably draw in Rockland, Putnam, Orange people, uh, to uh, talk about what we have to do to put together projects to claim some of the $4.2 billion. It's not – um, you know, it's not a kitty to just spend money wildly out of. We have to come up with creative ways to reduce air pollution, to reduce water pollution, uh, protect land sources. And if we have a solid plan, now we have a pool of money that we can tap into. That's Westchester County Executive George Latimer. Listening to the Legislative Gazette, program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. One of the key issues in last November's elections remains an acute concern. That's according to a new poll from the Siena College Research Institute, which finds 61% of New Yorkers are concerned about being a victim of crime. 21% say they're very concerned, and 40% say they're somewhat concerned. Nearly 9 in 10 respondents think crime is a serious problem in the state, and nearly 6 in 10 say it's a serious problem in their community. The poll, in which New York City residents reported being most concerned, also finds 40% of respondents have spent more than $100 on security. Dr. Don Levy, director of the poll, spoke with the Legislative Gazette's Ian Pickus. So this poll specifically looks at the issue of crime and how New Yorkers feel about it. Uh, what did you find? Well, we took a look at, uh, you know, some of the everyday components of how New Yorkers feel. First off, um, a staggering number, 61% of New Yorkers say that they are concerned personally that they could be a victim of crime. And when we asked them about some specific everyday events, we found that uh, about half of New Yorkers tell us that they are concerned, they're worried uh, when they or their family are going to some public place, a store, a grocery store, 
um, a, a religious institution. They're worried about their safety. What are they doing about it? Uh, many New Yorkers are taking a variety of steps. Um, we've seen uh, purchasing home security systems, uh, purchasing uh, personal safety devices like a firearm. Um, at 12% of all New Yorkers have purchased a gun for self-defense. Um, pepper spray, about a quarter of New Yorkers say that at this point they've purchased something like that in order to uh, be safe. And about one out of six New Yorkers say that they've taken a self-defense class in order to be safe. Some of the other everyday situations that we all um, deal with that are worrying New Yorkers are just being in a public space. Um, we found that uh, nearly 40% say they have felt threatened by another person's behavior in a vehicle, uh, and 36% say that they have felt threatened by a stranger's behavior in a public setting. So it feels like New Yorkers are telling us that they're looking over their shoulder more than before. In fact, we asked them, is it different today? Are you more worried about your safety today than you ever were before? And unfortunately, 41% of all New Yorkers say, I have never been this worried as I am today about my personal safety. A majority still, 58% say, I'm no more worried than ever before. But Crime, the threat of crime, the threat of crime affecting them personally is on the minds of New Yorkers, it seems, on a daily basis. Now, the hard question, do we know why? In other words, does this correspond with an actual increase in all of the incidents you just mentioned? Well, we did ask some specifics on actual crimes, and I guess it's in the eyes of a holder whether these are big numbers or not. 9% uh, of New Yorkers told us that they have personally been the victim of burglary. 9% of New Yorkers, greater in New York City at 16%, say they actually have been physically assaulted over the past year. Um, one thing I'll note is there does seem to be a bit of a political tinge to the perception of the threat of crime. When we said, are you more worried now about your personal safety than you've ever been before? Republicans, 54% say that that is indeed the case. Democrats, only 34%. So about a 20-point difference between Republicans and Democrats as to whether this is uh, the worst of times in terms of being worried about crime. So I think it's both um, a witnessing of threatening behavior, an awareness of crime, but also a bit of a political tinge that crime is a predominant issue. So does that tell you, uh, someone who's watched a lot of elections in New York State, that what was one of the key issues in the 2022 campaign remains, you know, for people who are running for office? There's no doubt that crime and safety will continue to be a, a front and center issue. Uh, I think that uh, these numbers show that it resonates with the public. People are worried. Um, when half of people say that they think about it, they worry about it, when they or their family are going to be in a public place, then certainly when folks are running for office and, and they say they hear that issue, they hear that worry, they hear that complaint, and that they're going to do something about it, that will resonate with the public. Obviously, it's an interesting question as to whether uh, the more we talk about crime, does that make the awareness that much greater and the concern and fear that much greater? Still, uh, New Yorkers are telling us that they're um, worried about crime, they're taking steps. In fact, we found that 40% of all New Yorkers have gone out and spent at least $100, and in many cases, far more than that, 
on uh, devices or systems to keep themselves safe. So it will remain a political issue, and it will remain an issue that people will talk about uh, in their homes because there is this worry, there is this sense of I'm looking over my shoulder. Is this the first time Siena has asked about crime specifically? This is the first time that we asked about some of these behaviors. We have been consistently asking uh, for the last couple of years about the perception of crime. And it continues to be um, very high if you go all the way back to um, uh, uh, February of, of 22. Uh, at that point, 90% of New Yorkers thought that crime was a serious problem across the state. Um, it was a little bit lower at that point in terms of the personal threat. Uh, it was at 57%. Now we're up to 61 So crime and the threat of crime has been a consistent worry across New York State in our polling now since at least the beginning of 22. Do we have any indication about whether New Yorkers' attitudes are different from people in other states on this? Um, we don't have that data. We do see that um, New York City... Um, residents of New York City tend to think uh, and tend to say that they feel uh, more threatened, more concerned than uh, folks here upstate or in Long Island. So uh, it, it seems um, uh, evident that in our, our more densely populated urban areas uh, that the threat, the concern of, of crime is greater uh, than in our less populated areas. Let me ask you one more sort of psychological question about how the poll is done. When you're talking to respondents um, and you may, let's say, not to show my cards, but let's say you called me, uh, which you didn't, I would tell you that I worry about everything. <laughs> so how do you uh, frame it in a way that the answer tells you something interesting as opposed to just picking up on any, you know, anybody's sort of day-to-day -day existential worries? Well, I mean, that's a, a, a tough question, really. Certainly when I ask you, um, it, it's like the, uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in Ghostbusters. Um, once I activate um, that concern, you are perhaps more likely to tell me uh, that you're worried about it. Still, um, in the initial question that we asked about uh, how serious is, is crime as a problem, um, we often in polls will we'll frame that in a, in a list of seven or eight different societal issues to try to determine where does crime rank relative to concerns about the, uh, the economy, um, the environment, other um, social or environmental issues. So I think it's still a fair concern when thinking about the poll that perhaps these numbers are higher insofar as we've, we've asked you, we've asked you to think about crime, so you, you're now telling us that, that you're worried. And there we found uh, numbers that demonstrate that New Yorkers, they're demonstrating their concern with their behavior. That's Dr. Don Levy with the Siena College Research Institute, speaking with the Legislative Gazette's Ian Pickus. <laughs> listening to the Legislative Gazette, program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. The Consul General of Canada to New York was in Plattsburgh this week. Hosted by the North Country Chamber, Tom Clark visited Canadian-owned businesses and manufacturers and promoted the region's cross-border relations. But lately, when people think of Canada, only one word comes to mind, wildfires. 
Clark tells the Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley the fires are more intense this year for one reason. Well, one phrase, climate change. That's what's happening. The forests are dry. The temperature is extremely high in the Arctic. One village in the Arctic uh, a couple of weeks ago registered 93 degrees. That's never been seen before in the Arctic. So when you have that combination, then you get lightning, and that sets off the wildfires. To give you an idea, the average number of wildfires that we have, say in June, this year was 14,000% higher than the normal amount of firefighters, uh, forest fires that we have. So that gives you some idea. And it's not just in Quebec. It's not just in the east, but it's coast to coast. It's British Columbia. It's Alberta. It's uh, every province has got wildfires this year. So what has this meant for Canada's stature around the world? And I'm now living in New York, and I hear it a lot. They sort of say, we kind of like you, but, you know, can you do something about the smoke? The reality is that there's nothing that we can do. It's all about the winds. But one thing that is hard to explain to somebody from New York, New York City in particular, is why is there a continuing amount of smoke? And why are we saying, as we are, that this may last well into August? It may even go into September. Here's the deal. A lot of these fires are burning in areas that are so remote. There are no people around, no roads, no infrastructure, no nothing. And you can't really fight them. Uh, so literally, you have to let them burn themselves out or wait for winter for them to uh, extinguish themselves. What we do is that we're fighting hard the far forest fires that are encroaching on human habitation or infrastructure. We are, as a result of the extraordinary amount of fires we've got this year, we are fighting further and further north than we have before. But the simple reality is the area is so vast, we can't land firefighters there. There's no camps. There's no, as I said, no roads. And so you really are left with, unfortunately, having to look at it and say the forest has to take care of itself. Tom Clark, recently Amtrak said it was going to suspend and has suspended service between Albany and Montreal because its partner rail service in Canada has said that if the tracks get above 80 or 90 degrees, it has to slow its service. And so it suspended the rail service, which has upset some of the local folks here in, in the North Country. The track heat provision, is that something that Canada has set? Is that a, a provision in any sort of Canadian law? No, it, this, is, this is the regulations, internal regulations of Canadian National. Now, that's a private company, as Amtrak is a private company. And really what we've got here are two private companies who are in a commercial dispute. And there's very little space for a government to be involved in that dispute. They've got to work it out for themselves. The one thing I will say, though, and let me take you back to last year, in British Columbia, there was a town called Lytton, British Columbia, and a train went through, and sparks came off the rails of the train. Uh, the town was destroyed, burnt. Out, it, 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 was, it was turned into oblivion. There was nothing left of Lytton. So that concern is very real. How that concern is dealt with is really has to be left to these two private commercial enterprises to figure out. Speaking of businesses, another thing that happened here in the region recently, Nova Bus announced that it would close its manufacturing plant in Plattsburgh by 2025. 
Is there any indication that other Quebec companies manufacturing or working in the U.S., particularly in the Plattsburgh area, are tentative about the U.S. economy and may pull out of the U.S. and the North Country region? Certainly not that I have heard of. I've heard no indication of that whatsoever. In fact, quite the opposite. We're very bullish on what's happening here. We think that the opportunities for Plattsburgh, the North Country, in fact, all of upstate New York, are tremendous. I was at Alstom here in Plattsburgh and taking a look at their their plant here in Plattsburgh and what they're doing elsewhere in the state of New York. And they're growing. They're they're getting big. They see opportunities all over the place. So no, I don't think that's the case at all. I think that the case of Novabus, which again was, was uh, very sad, anytime a company feels that it has to retreat, uh, it's always uh, bad. Tom Clark, you mentioned you were at Alstom. Why are you in Plattsburgh? <laughs> Plattsburgh and the North Country, in fact, all of upstate New York, is extremely important to Canada. We take this relationship really seriously. I don't think that there's any other place in the United States on the border that gets the relationship more and better than the people of Plattsburgh do. And I think it's because they live it every single day. It's so much a part of who they are and what they do that they really understand how both countries can benefit, how both sides can benefit from this. There's such cooperation, there's such history between these two parts of the world. And so when I was appointed Consul General, there were two promises that I made, and one was that my first trip outside of New York City was going to be to Albany, because I wanted to establish that first and foremost, and that my first out trip beyond that was going to be up here in the North Country. This is a relationship that we tend to all the time. We love the people up here, but we love what you're doing up here. And, you know, we back up those, those words of love with actual uh, dollars. I mean, we've got Canadian companies. Plattsburgh, Clinton County alone sells $230 million of goods and services to Canada every year. That's just Clinton County. And when you take a look at all of New York, it's $50 billion dollars. Uh, that goes from New York up to Canada. So our relationship is big, it's huge, it's significant, and the worst thing we could do is take it for granted, and I'm not about to do that. Council General Tom Clark is Canada's official representative in New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Connecticut, Delaware, and Bermuda. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Pat Bradley. And that about does it for this week's show. The Legislative Gazette is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. You can listen to the Legislative Gazette anytime at wamcpodcast.org. Look for program number 2328. And join us again next week at this same time for more news on New York State government, politics. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustinum.